Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how some male cuttlefish cross-dress to woo the ladies. You'll also learn how to persuade people in a world where facts don't seem to matter. From author Lee Hartley Carter. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Here's something you might not expect from the animal kingdom. One way that male cuttlefish attract mates is by, for all intents and purposes, cross-dressing. Welcome to the gender-bending world of cuttlefish courtship. First, for a quick refresher, cuttlefish are kind of like octopuses because they're cephalopods. But cuttlefish's bodies are shaped like arrowheads, although they still have tentacles, they just happen to be shorter, and they can change colors, like octopuses. Every winter, about a quarter million giant Australian cuttlefish get together off the south coast of Australia in a tiny spot about the size of 10 soccer fields. And the reason? Basically a giant Tinder meetup. At this subaquatic singles mixer, males outnumber females by an average of 4 to 1, although some scientists cite this figure as being as high as 11 to 1. I don't like those odds. And because competition is so fierce, the bigger and stronger cuttlefish tend to fight off their weaker competitors to corner the most desirable females and pressure them to hang around. Which brings us to the cross-dressing. Those weaker males are actually able to change their color to look like the females of the species and retract their extra <clears throat> tentacle to trick the bigger brofish into thinking they're female. Sometimes they even act like they're carrying around an egg so they look less attractive to the bigger dudes who are desperate for a date. And once they've infiltrated the female clique, the smaller and weaker males are free to woo any receptive female. And believe it or not, things get even more interesting from there. See, male cuttlefish don't fertilize the female's eggs directly. They only give the female their sperm, and then she uses it to fertilize the eggs after she's laid them. That means that when a female mates with several different males, she can choose which male's seed she wants to sow. And it turns out that the female cuttlefish are pretty picky. They reject about 70% of all mating attempts overall. But when it comes to the cross-dressers, they're half as likely to reject the males. And when it's time to fertilize their eggs, they show a clear preference for the tricksters. That could be because it takes brains to fool the competition. Brains over brawn? Seems like there's hope for the less muscular of us out there, even out in the animal kingdom. How are you supposed to persuade people in a world where facts don't seem to matter? Lee Hartley Carter may have some answers. She's the author of the new book, Persuasion, Convincing Others When Facts Don't Seem to Matter. And she has a lot of experience helping clients get their messages across in a way that really resonates. Here's Lee with a little about her background, plus some tips on how to get past confirmation bias to make sure people are really hearing what you're saying to them. For the last almost 15 years, I've been working um, at Ms. Lansky Partners, which is a language strategy firm, which basically means we're helping our clients create messages that are going to drive some kind of change in behavior. And so we don't just do it by saying, here's the language. We do research with consumers and with folks to try and understand why they feel the way they feel so that we can create messaging that's going to move the needle. Persuasion is not meant to be manipulation. I think sometimes that is confusing. What persuasion really is, and I say in order to be effective, you've got to be empathetic in order to do that. It's really about 
understanding you've got a good story to tell. Now, how do you tell it in a way that's going to be heard? And so my 15 years of experience doing this for clients has really led to, to this book. It's really interesting because people right now are so discouraged that facts don't seem to matter. And I would tell you, and I would argue that they never have. And that's because humans have this thing, and there's science around this, it's called confirmation bias, that we are more likely to believe what we already believe and pick up facts and data and interesting tidbits that support our existing beliefs and not be disrupted. I think it's part of efficiency. It's part of just the way we are. Humans are, are designed to recognize patterns that keep them safe um, and recognize danger, right? And I think that happens um, with this all the time. And so if you're going to try to convince somebody of something, it's not enough just to have a good story to tell. It's not enough just to have facts on your side because you're going to have to break biology in order to change somebody's mind. You're going to actually have to change and disrupt them in a way that's going to say make them reconsider something. And in general, you're not going to do that by telling them that they're wrong. You're not going to do that by shaming them. I, I tell people, you know, it's not about shouting louder. It's about shouting smarter, right? It's about talking smarter and finding a language that's going to resonate and change hearts and minds. And so what I would say is a lot of people aren't practicing what I call active empathy and trying to understand. And I think people aren't curious. So instead of trying to get curious about the other, what we're trying to do is just shout out more facts. And that's not changing minds because we're not spending time understanding where their beliefs are so that we can try and craft an argument that's going to move them. Okay, so stop shouting facts and telling people they're wrong and shaming them. Instead, be curious and practice active empathy. Here's Lee on what that means. The notion of active empathy, I think, is something that will really change the way we think about a lot of things. Because if you think about, say, you want to get your family to sit at the table together twice a week, how do you get people to do that? Like, you're not just going to, as a mom, and I'm a new mom, but as a mom, you feel like you're always saying, things over and over and over again, and it's not necessarily working. So how do you create an environment where you're listening to what, what the other people need so that you're going to get what you want? Um, and that really starts with empathy. So understanding why they believe what they do, why they feel the way they do, and, and why they're doing what they're doing. And that's going to help you create a strategy to get everybody at the table. Um, but I think you need to be specific about it and tell them it's going to be twice at seven o'clock, and we're going to come together as family, have some fun. But it's, it's all about understanding where they're coming from first. So start by figuring out where the other person's coming from, then be specific about what you want, and you've taken the first step toward persuasion. Lee Hartley Carter will be back tomorrow with a few more specific tips for being more persuasive, and you can find more advice in her new book, Persuasion, Convincing Others When Facts Don't Seem to Matter. You can find a link to pick it up in today's show notes. Now let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that some male cuttlefish basically cross-dress to woo the ladies, and it actually works pretty well. RuPaul's fish race. Yes, let's do it. And we also learned that if you want to be truly persuasive, then first try to understand where someone's beliefs are coming from, then work on crafting an argument that moves them. This sounds weirdly familiar. Hmm, it's like maybe Alan Aldo was telling us the same thing the other day. I know, honestly. Strangest thing. It's almost like legendary science communicator Alan Alda told us that in our feature-length bonus episode on Sunday, which you should probably go back and check out if you didn't listen to it. You're so subtle. Thanks. Today's first story was written by Ruben Westmas and edited by Ashley Hamer, who is the managing editor for Curiosity.com. Today's episode was scripted, produced, and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.